people are ignorant too, and they'll go to hear them preach week after week, month after month. I can't see that. And I want to let you know right now, the gospel is to be preached by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. For 61 years, I preached the gospel. Hallelujah. I like that. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. I've been faithfully preaching the gospel. There's two or three things that's going to happen when you preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. You preach under the anointing of the Spirit, you're never going to compromise with sin. You're going to take the right attitude toward sin. And the religious world in this day and hour needs to change their attitude about sin. They don't want to call sin, sin. They want to call it a mistake. They don't want to call hell, hell. They want to call it Hades. They do not want to put the finger on the spot. They don't want to trouble their congregation. Come on. They never say anything about divorce much. They never say anything about fornicating. They never say anything about uh, uh, adultery. They talk about abortion once in a while because that's a national theme. <laughs> they say nothing about beer drinking because beer, beer drinking is quite popular. They say a lot about, uh, a lot about abortion because it's unpopular. And drug taking is unpopular. So they say a lot about drug taking, nothing about the dirty liquor crowd. I want to let you know right now, I, I mar people that take a stand against abortion. There are more babies killed in the United States, more babies that are running insane and have the disease and born disease because of beer and strong drink than ever, ever was destroyed by drugs. You get right it right now. If I hit my way, I'd run every bar in the state of Louisiana, so close every bar in the state of Louisiana, I'd run this state so dry that the prime everybody in town to get on the spit. Half the counties, half the counties in Kentucky went dry to my ministry. Half the counties in Tennessee went dry to my ministry. Come on. I want to tell you one thing right now. I've been, I hated, the brewers have hated me for more than 40 years. I hate beer and I hate liquor and I hate wine and strong drink. If you drink beer and wine, you're going to burn, want water. Too good said, our priest drinks beer. He's going to meet him in hell. He'll be wanting water and you'll be wanting water. I tell you right now, this this guilty. The breweries in the biggest drug push, even in the political arena. Republicans and Democrats both will cry out against the drug scene, and we've got to we've got to have the drug war ended. We've got to fight this drug picture. But the politicians cannot get elected without 
backing what the TV and the press says, and they have $3 billion a year in investment in pushing drugs, beer and wine in strong drink. You think I'll compromise? Never! Tell you right now, the dirty liquor traffic will destroy more manhood, wreck more homes, destroy more marriages, but kill more children on the streets, a nation of our nation, drunken driving on every place. They'll get up and tell the people, a poor old drug addict, sick bunch. You know why the breweries are, are now beginning to say, uh, about condemn the drug habit, and they begin to talk every now and then the newspaper and the press will talk about legalization of beer and wine, I mean the drugs. Legalization of liquor and strong uh, drugs. They told us in 1933, and I know that because I'm old enough to know it, that if you legalize beer and wine and strong drink, you'll have less drinking. The big lie was told. They said the prohibition amendment was a failure. That's the biggest lie ever told in the United States. Come on. I won't let you know I don't care whether he's a Democrat or Republican. If he endorses the dirty beer business, the liquor business, he'll burn in hell. Get it clear. I want to let you know our attitude about sin will change if we preach the gospel. If we preach the gospel, our attitude about our attitude about holiness will change. Preachers get up and say, Well, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. You little lying devil. If you're forgiven, you're perfect. If you're not forgiven, you're not perfect. John Wesley preached Christian perfection. People got on their knees and cried out to God to repent of their sin, got up off of their knees and started living holy lives. The outstanding preachers of this nation go to England and they say, I'm not perfect, I, I'm just forgiven. People up them, said, walk away, said, that is great. we had a great service tonight, didn't we? Go out, drink at the pub and get drunk on beer and liquor. Come on. You get it right now. You say, preacher, I'm not perfect. You're not a Christian. Say, well, the Bible said we're not perfect. You can't read that in the Bible. You're not only, not only my brother evil, evil and corrupt in heart, but you're also ignorant. You're ignorant of the Bible. Paul said in the Corinthian letter that he wrote to the sanctified in Christ. The word sanctified in Greek is hiosis, meaning my brother to be pure or holy. In the second chapter of that letter, he wrote and said, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Cut it out of your Bible. You don't believe nobody can be perfect. Paul did. Third chapter, he said, whosoever is born, whosoever it, ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which ye have of God, and who shepherd defileth the temple of God, whose temple is holy. I didn't put that in the Bible. Paul said in the fifth chapter, purge out the old leaven that ye might be holy, as ye are unleavened. Unleavened is to be holy. And he said the church was unleavened. Come on. 
Peter's epistle wrote in plain words, seeing all these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all manner of holy conversation? And the word conversation is hot in the Greek language. There happens to be zoe or life. How, how holy and blameable you should uh, live in all your life. Come on. Paul said in Thessalonians 2 and 10, your witnesses in God also, how holy, how justly, how unblameable we behaved ourselves. Paul said he lived holy. Come on. The Bible tells you, my brother, in the Ephesian letter, first chapter and verse 4, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Read it. Come on. <laughs> you show me a single verse in Scripture. Somebody's in Colossians, the fourth, uh, fourth chapter, verse, uh, verse 15, Paul said, As many as be perfect, be thus minded. Paul told Titus that we may present every man perfect. In the letter to Titus, he said, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny all ungodness, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Word in this present evil world. And the word godly is to be godlike. Don't tell me God sins. Come on. The Bible tells you if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. You are still sinning old things and not passed away. You are still drinking your beer, old things didn't pass away. If you're lying, old things didn't pass away. If you still drink a uh, cussing, old things didn't pass away. You still fussed into white, old things didn't pass away. If you're defaulting your neighbor out of money, old things didn't pass away. If you're not uh, making a living, an honest living, old things didn't pass away. Come on. You say I don't believe in wholeness. Well, hell's populated with your crowd. Billy Sunday. Billy Sonny used to say that if this country was as afraid of sin as they are of wholeness, we'd have to take this nation for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed with him. Come on, I agreed with Billy Sonny. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. I want to let you know right now. God will never win. You cannot win men and women to Jesus if you're not holy. Come on. The prostitutes, my brother, will not win the loss to God. The drug addicts will not win the loss to God. The beer drinkers will not win the loss to God. The saloon keepers are not winning the loss to God. Come on. Don't you go around telling me that you're unholy and you want to have a revival? You hypocrite. Mm -mm. You're the quietest audience tonight for some reason. You get it right now. You have to be a holy man. The world will not be one to God unless they're one to holy people. The Western revivals brought the England to our knees because they were holy preachers, preaching holiness, preaching a clean life, preaching the grace of God, changed the man. Paul said in Romans, the first chapter of whom we receive grace and apostleship for obedience. Your Greek language says, obedience says, faith from faith. You get faith in Jesus Christ, you obey God. And if you don't obey God, you don't have faith. Amen or oh my. 
Grace produces faith. Grace takes you from your sinning. Grace stops you from doing evil. Grace changes your life. Grace makes you a new man. Grace produces a holy character and a holy life. Come on. <laughs> I God, I, bless the Lord. It's wonderful. Grace of God can change you so much that everybody recognizes. Cats and the dogs will recognize it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It was that kind of preaching that brought the greatest awakening this country's ever had in its history. But a revival doesn't occur because some preacher announced it. Got on TV and on radio and said, we just had the greatest awakening that we've ever had and this city and this vicinity has ever occurred. Nobody knew anything about it. But the preacher that announced it. You hear something about a revival and some preachers announced it. Ignore it. Come on. But he's on TV. He's on radio. So what? He wrote a book about it. So what? All the lies wrote about me in a book would fill this whole church house. Let me tell you right now, great evidence of the, a real awakening. The public will know about it. It'll be noise abroad. I was 1963, uh, somewhere around 1968, man came across the campus and I said, hey, where you been? He said, I just got back from Cuba. He was a socialist, radical one. He ran for president of the United States in, 90, in 1973 on a socialist ticket. He said, Hubert, you made it. I said, what do you mean I made it? He said, you made it. You're known all over the world. I just got back from Cuba, and one of the first things that Castro asked me after five hours from Berkeley, he said, who is this holy Hubert? When the Asiatic speakers came to California, there was Fugit who headed all the newspapers. First, he headed the newspapers in, in Saigon. He headed the newspapers in, 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 in down in Cambodia. He headed the newspaper in, in China before the communists took over. There was also Mr. Br uh, the Chinese uh, uh, professor used to be at the University of uh, at University of Peking, and he came there with him. And these seven men came to me and came on the university campus to ask me and instruct me about what's going on in Vietnam. Fugit was a liaison officer for the United States government, uh, United States government in Vietnam. They came to the United States to instruct me on what was going on there. Why me? Because the, the revival and the awakening that turned it firstly had shook the known world. Hallelujah. <laughs> God sent me to California. God sent me to the University of California. I used to wonder why. 
didn't give me a choice to go some other place, I'd have probably run the other way. First time I got up there to preach on the campus, <laughs> a professor said, you're going to make history at Berkeley. I wondered in six months' time what kind of history. I was put in the hospital that first year seven times. They, they delighted in beating me. I don't see why they want to beat on me. I'm a handsome-looking man, a nice man. I don't fight, don't hate anybody. Why should they beat on me? <laughs> Had that fellow grab me and jerk me around, jerk me around, hit me in the face. Down I went, and another fellow hit me in the stomach. Down I went, and he, he come in on top of me, beating my face until I, I could no longer see him. My eyes were golded up. My, my blood running out of my eyes, running out of my nose, running out of my mouth. And I heard that man on top of me beat me say, some fellow say, stop, man, you're killing him. He said, I'm going to kill the blankety blank. Before I passed out, I said, sir, I love you to the end. And he laid off beating me. He laid off beating me and I staggered out of the, out of the alley. The fellow said, what happened, Hubert? I said, the two men just got this drove me in there and beat me almost to death. He stopped the car and they carried me down to the hospital. The doctor put X, washed the blood off my face, washed the blood off my chest, washed the blood off my arms and legs. He'd give me a complete examination and he said, they almost killed you this time, preacher. I said, yes. He said, you've got to stay here. I said, I can't. I'm too busy. He said, I'm, I said, I'm too busy. He said, don't be a fool. I said, Jesus, heal me before he'll heal me again. He said, it's all right to be religious, but just don't be a fool. I went home and pushed that jaw back in place, and man, I had pain. Ooh, I had pain. You see, I'm not a Christian scientist. <laughs> I pushed it back in place and tied a big rag around the top of my head, tied that jaw in place, in place. And I said, oh, God, heal me and let me get us tomorrow to preach. Take all the pain away from the swelling out of my face. I went to sleep and slept like a baby. Woke up the next morning, there wasn't any swelling in my jaw. I shaved and washed my face, went to the campus and preached for three hours. I went down, I walked down to the doctor's office, walked in the, doc I walked in the hospital, walked into his office, and, and I said, uh, he looked at me and said, preacher, how are you? I said, hit me in the face, doctor. He said, it can't be, it can't be. I said, it is, Christ is alive, he healed me. He said, come in here. Walked in there and set me on the x-ray table, took me down there and x-rayed my jaw, x-rayed my ribs, x-rayed my body from head to foot. And he took the x-rays where the jaws were broken. <laughs> and he took them and looked at one and looked at the other and kept saying, it can't be, it can't be, it can't be. And give his heart to God. 
and he paid my hospital bill. <laughs> Bless the Lord. The next day I met the man that beat me. He was, walked up there and I said, good morning. I like to blow his mind. He couldn't conceive of a man loving him that much. And a fellow come over there, a fellow come over there, I was started preaching, and a, a man came, a fellow, a fellow said, Hubert, you got a bigger crowd than the rioters. I said, so what? About that time, a man jerked me around and said, shut up or I'll shut you up. I said, don't you tell me to shut up, sir. If I shut up, people like you go to hell. Don't tell me to shut up. I'm going to be a voice for Christ as long as I'm alive. He reached out like he's going to hit me. And our big black arm pulled him around. And he said, look at me, man. Get a good look at me. He said, you are the same texture skin that I am. I said, he said, that's true, but you're going to look, uh, uh, I, I got the same color skin I have. You lay one hand on you, and you're going to lose your jaw. You're not hitting that man. And the man that pulled him around and said that to him was the man that tried to kill me the night before. If you go to Berkeley, California, you'll find a preacher out there. <laughs> Glory. He's the same man. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. I was in Haight-Fastbury and over there preaching and the Manson family beat me up three times. The third time a man jerked, jerked, jumped on me and started, uh, Charles told me that he get, told that crowd to get me. They come at me and they knock me down and come in on top of me. And this big, strong, healthy, built, strong muster guy jumped in there, caught that man by the shoulder and pulled him off me and said, hit me, sinner. Hit me, I won't fight. Hubert won't fight back when you hit me. <coughs> You'll lose your front teeth. I turned around to that man and said, sir, you're willing to fight for me now, but Jesus is going to get a hold of your heart. And God's going to make you a real warrior for God out of, out of you. That man's right now preaching the gospel to the homosexuals in San Francisco. <laughs> blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There were, one day on the campus there was a man by the name of Eldridge Cleaver. Eldridge Cleaver was, and him and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and and Hugh and Newton and Th Paul and Tom Hayden and all that uh, Hugh and Newton and Bobby Seals organized the what is known as the Black Panther movement. <coughs> he was on the campus one day and just got through speaking, used the filthiest language under the sun. I walked up to him. I said, "You think you're a revolutionary leader?" I said, "You're going to be when Jesus gets hold to you, sir." He couldn't get away from that. God troubled his soul. He gave his heart to God, and the first book that he wrote was called Souls on Ice. But the last book he wrote, he wrote Souls on Fire. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> I could stand here all night long and tell you the episodes of where I've been and received persecution, but the hand of God's been on me. I want to let you know right now, if you preach the gospel and Christ crucified, and buried and resurrected according to the testimony of the prophets, you're going to suffer persecution. And if you preach the gospel, 
according to the scripture, how Christ died, was buried, and rose the third day, you're going to have miracles and wonders followers. Don't go around advertising miracles and wonders. Go around preaching the gospel, and the miracles and wonders will follow you. Come on. Bless the Lord forever. I, even you say, what about you, a blind preacher? <laughs> a brother reminded me last night how he came. I used to be at Blyville, Arkansas, and I asked where that was. I thought I could recall it. He told me it was up to your Paragoo, and I said the last time I had some great, great awakening was at Paragoo. Went straight up from there to Saxton, Missouri. Got in Saxton, Missouri, walked into a little bitty store front. The man had it begin the service. And somebody told him that Holy Hubert's here. And he walked back and made my acquaintance. He said, will you preach for us tonight? I, I said, certainly will. I preached for him. And the woman came down there crying. And she said, my baby's died in my womb. They're going to remove the child tomorrow. I don't want to lose my child. Mark you, I'm a blind preacher. I trust in the Lord for healing. And twice he's healed my blindness. And I expect him to heal my blindness a third time. Here I'm a blind preacher. And I said to her, Jesus, some Nazareth, heals that child in your womb. I go over, right over there to a place called Cape Gerard. At the noon, at noon hour, they had full gospel pastors meeting there. I was sitting there and enjoying our fellowship together. And about that time, the head of the full God of businessmen chapter came in. Rushing there said, you hear what happened down here in Saxon, Missouri? Said there's a preacher came through there, and a woman, a child died in her womb. He laid hands on that child, woman and prayed for her. And the day the doctor got saved, because the child was alive. That child was raised from the dead in her womb. <laughs> and, and I was sitting there and the, one of the preachers said was that you Holy Hubert I said yes God did that across my pathway <laughs> glory most, most remarkable things that happened to me is a matter of judgment judgment you preach the gospel and judgment will follow your ministry 19 and 30s, I preached my brother. I was preaching in the state of Mississippi at Hattiesburg, at, uh, at Tupelo, Mississippi, in a tent revival. Over on that, in that tent, over on the paddock, laying there on the paddock on the sawdust, was the future king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. The Spirit of God came on me I said tonight I preach to you in this tent, but God's give me orders to take this tent out of this town, for tomorrow a tornado is going to hit this city, and the northern part of this city is going to be torn apart, and judgment's going to fall. You better find a hiding place tomorrow. Later on, Evers met me and said, I'll always have confidence in you. My grandmother helped me in her arms and prayed. That for our safety and that roof of our house top was taken away during that tornado. And my grandmother and mother both told me of the red-headed preacher 
that came in that town and told them a tornado is going to hit the city and told them the time they were going to hit it. You can check it if you want to. It's all right, me. If you're a sinner, I hope you do. You'll get saved. Come on. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. I was in Johnson City, Tennessee. One night a preacher, one night a reporter came down to me, walked up to where I was at, and said, what do you think about the article written against you in the paper today? I said, wait till I go in the prayer meeting and I'll tell you. I went in the little prayer room and prayed, walked back out, got on the pulpit, introduced to the audience of people, I sit there, a reporter sitting over there, wants to know what I think about the local newspaper that's condemned this crusade in this town. He stood against the work of Christ. Put this down in your paper, sir, because your uh, editor, uh, your paper, and the owner of your paper has stood against this ministry. He will go crazy, blow his brains out, and go to hell. And your newspaper will go in bankruptcy. Both will happen in less than six months. Put it in your paper. He wrote it in the paper in the morning paper said we've got enough money to, to run this newspaper for six years without getting a dime revenue. And the private night preacher said I'm going to blow my brains out. The paper's going in bankruptcy. Four months later Brother Bennett called me long distance Nashville, North Carolina and said come back. Come back, Hubert. Editor blew his brains out this morning. The paper's in bankruptcy. Come on. Go up here to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Just out of Bowling Green, Kentucky on the, on the 31 W Highway. You turn to the right going across there, the 80 Highway to Glasgow, Kentucky. Right in the porch of that road was a bar, a beer garden. The man that run that beer garden was named Floyd. One morning, my song leader named Carter, Roy E. Carter, he wrote that song, Just a, Just a Closer Walk With Thee. Roy, my brother, was driving. We were going to Hazard, Kentucky for a revival meeting. As we got up near the parts of the road, I said, Brother Carter, driving here to Floyd's place. He said, you don't go to places like that. I said, I usually don't, but I've got orders from God to go there this morning. I'm to tell Floyd, that he's going to die today. I went in there. I talked to Floyd about his soul and told him, you're going to die today, man. He was arranged. His wife was a Roman Catholic, and he began to make light of the confession booth. I said, never about the confession booth, sinner. You need to tell God you are sorry for your sin and trust the death of Christ because you're going to die today. The sun will never go down on you. You'll be a dead man today. I walked out of that place crying like a baby. Brother, Brother Carter's daughter said, why is Brother Lindsay crying? He said, because Floyd is lost forever. He's going to hell. said, oh, maybe he might get saved. You know better than that. Brother Carter said, you know better than that, Lucille. What happened in Lexington, Tennessee? When the chief of police in that town, after we'd got through preaching, we used the PA system on the courthouse steps. The chief of police come up to me and said, you're not, gonna, you're not preaching again in this town with a PA system. 
You're not preaching your this next Saturday. I switched the PA system on and said, your chief of police standing here says, I'll not preach your next Saturday. I won't inform him I'll preach here next Saturday, but he won't be here. He doesn't repent of his sin, he'll be in hell, because he's going to die today. The next Saturday we tried to get in that town, we had to encircle that town two or three times, trying to get a parking spot. They claimed there's 70,000 people gathered in that town. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As I, I finally parked three or four blocks from the court square, we got out of the car with a guitar in our hand. We couldn't take the PA system up. We were walking toward the, toward the county courthouse. Suddenly I heard a man say, there they are, pointing to us. He was a deputy service. He said, come on, don't bother about your PA system. We've got one already set up for you. And so Chirpin said, if anybody messes with you, We'll put him in the county jail. I got up there and Brother Carter started singing the songs and singing the beautiful, he was a great singer. He's gone on to heaven now. Woman walked up to me and said to me, I say something. I said, are you a Christian? She said, yes, I am now. She got up and said, I run the cafe across the street and I'm not advertising my business. I've got more business I can take care of. I re used to be the proudest mouth woman in this town. I never darked the door of a church or a Sunday school or any gathering, religious gathering whatsoever. I told every smutty yarn around this square. No, all the merchants knew I, I had the dirtiest tales to tell. And said last Saturday, the chief of police came in my place murmuring under his lips, how does that preacher know? How does that preacher know? I said, what do you mean, the, what does the preacher know? Said, he said, I'm going to die today. Said, if you, she said, I looked him in the face and said, if you die today, will you go to hell? He said, I probably will. He said, you might have something to think about. He said, give me a cup of coffee. Said, I got the cup of coffee and served it to him. Said, that's something to think about. Oh, he don't know. He walked out of that cafe saying, how does that preacher know I'm going to die today? How does that preacher know? How does that preacher? No. Five bullets ripped his hide. A drunken black man shot him dead. Come on. I want to get this clear right now. My life, my life has been experienced that across this country. I could take you, my brother, I could take you across the country where, where my brother in Elk, Kentucky, where a man dropped dead in the tent revival, and that population of that town was uh, uh, 1,200, population of the revival, 35,000. Come on. The judgment of God hit that town, and the fear of God's judgment struck that town. They closed the business houses. The sheriff got saved, the county judge got saved, the chief of police got saved, the mayor got saved, the banker got saved, the barber got saved. The man that run the department store got saved. The man that was a druggist got saved. The man that run the service station got saved. We've seen them sweep into the kingdom of God with the thousands. Hallelujah. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I can tell you of the judgment of God that fell on whole communities and whole towns in my ministry and felt the sense of presence of God. I was at Berkeley, California. That very day, a crippled girl pushed her wheelchair right up in front of the audience of people. Some fellow that come had a full gospel background walked up, uh, walked up there and said, Hubert, you say you got faith? If you got faith, heal this girl. The Bible said these signs shall part of them that believe. If you're a believer, she'll be healed. I said, if she was healed, you little whore master, wouldn't give your heart to God. You filthy, dirty-minded devil. You've got nothing but sex and sensuality and dirt on your mind all the time. You want to make a lot of Christianity and make a show out here by telling me that if I've got faith, that girl will be healed. Well, the girl's going to be healed and you won't believe. When he said, I will believe, I said, you're lying. I said, young lady, let's prove that he's a liar. Come over here and stand by me. And she did. And when she stood by me, when she stood by me, he started running and I, I ran after him. I said, run, sinner, run, run on, run on to hell. That's where you're headed. I went, on, I went and got me a by tree. In the afternoon service, I had a service on the campus. I was preaching and here was a blasphemer. He had blasphemed the name of Jesus and called Christ a homosexual. Called Christ a homosexual. And the Spirit of God came on me. Said, you filthy blasphemer. You blasphemed the day of my Christ. The last day of your existence. You're going to die and you're going to die now. He dropped dead at my feet. A wonderful Christian man, a black brother, at the campus at Berkeley, knelt down to give him an artificial respiration, but couldn't restore it. Police walked over and looked down at Barry, the black brother's name Barry, beautiful brother, beautiful Christian man. And, and black Barry, in fact, there's one time when God put him in the ministry, he used to treat, teach people karate. <laughs> he taught them karate and taught the police department you doing karate both. <laughs> and he went into a bar one night to, to talk to him about Jesus, and some fellow raised his fist at him, and the bartender told him to get out. And he said, uh, get out. And he said, you don't believe in Jesus? He said, I said, get out, or I'll have you thrown out of here. And he lost his temper and put, and put 16 men in the... Six, 16 men in that bar in the, in the hospital. And, and, and Barry reached down and tried to give him mouth, mouth respiration. The police said, is he dead? He said, yes. Police came over to me and said, I don't mean any trouble, Hubert, but I want to know how did you know he's going to die? I said, I'm God's man, sir. God sent me here. God told me he's going to die. He's dead. He took his badge off, put it in his pocket, walked down to the police department, resigned the police department. He's now pastoring a church at Riverside, California. 
If you are going to preach Christ, live holy. If you live with the conscience of the Spirit of God every day and every hour, come on. You know that the Spirit of God controls your life. He controls your family life. That's the reason you don't push it to wife and the wife don't push your husband. He controls your business. You were losing it tomorrow morning. You wouldn't worry because he controls it. Uh-oh. He controls your neighbor. And because he controls you, you won't get mad at your neighbor. He controls your enemy. And if they beat you, you'll pray for them. <laughs> if he controlled you, if the Spirit of God controlled everybody in this place, this town would be in a, 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 a revival unparalleled. You see, I've learned the secret of how to be happy. <laughs> Glory, I'm going to close. The secret of being happy is trusting all you love in the hands of Christ. I love Phoebe. She's the sweetest wife that ever breathed breath. The lucky woman. I love I love Tom and his dear wife and the dear baby. I love the household. That's the reason we don't fuss in our household. Come on. I can say that when Tom's here and say it here, but he's not here. Let me get it clear right now. I trust God, Tom and his wife, and Phoebe in the hands of Christ. I'm not a man of a lot of large financial means, but I've learned to trust God with my finances. Come on. Last time I was here, I told the young man that's traveling with me, we both flew in here. I told him, told him that God's going to give our furniture a car. This household of faith is not a large household. A lot of times don't have a lot of money. <laughs> and I'm not looking to you and not looking to... The, uh, our dear brother, not looking to the whole world for my finances. I'm looking to God. And God will take care of me. I came down here that night and preached that night. And I think the offering run about $350. My associate that was with me said, said to me, sitting on the, when he's counting the money out, he said, how in the world are you going to buy a car with 300 and some odd $50? I said, I told you I'd get that car to, tomorrow morning. I'll have the money to get it tomorrow morning. I hardly got those words out of me. And your beloved pastor walked over there and said, a brother said, give you this $1,000. Come on. I, I'm, an, I'm not a young man. I'm an old man. What am I saying? I, I, had, a, I had some... $14,000, and I thought I'd buy me a home. I don't want no home. I don't want to put a land on earth. And about time you're getting ready to retire. That's what the devil wants me to do, retire. I make him mad because I'm not retiring. Hallelujah! I went down to, my, I went down to Dominican, I went down to, I was down in Florida, 
They told me about a need they had. How that the hurricane had tore in the uh, country of Dominican Republic apart. And they had shipped already uh, three or four big truckloads, uh, tons, uh, ton, hundreds of tons of food and clothing and raiment and medication down to the people in the Dominican Republic. And they had another's down at the dock ready to ship it but didn't have any money. And I asked the head of the organization, how much would it cost to ship, get, ship that over there? He said, $10,000. I just turned away and went to start to go to sleep. And the Lord said, give the 10000 to them. So I wrote the check. Wrote the check for 10000 Went down to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> Hear me now. I went down to the Dominican Republic. Got down there. And the, and the, the, the an antenna for the TV radio station that broadcast in Spanish tongue all throughout the Caribbean, that antenna had been torn down. They needed $500 to put it back. I said, I wrote the check. I come away from there with me and Phoebe and got, a, got back into Miami, Florida with about $25. <laughs> Lot to retire on, isn't it? dollars. We drove it up the road and got to Gainville and, and wrecked that thing. Right, it wrecked it, just tore it to pieces. It would still move around, but it was tore. The fenders were all smashed up and we had to put new brakes on it, the whole business. And, and it, was just, it was just one of those things. So I come right across this country and I said, when I get over here at May the 1st, at John, John Osteen's going to have me to preach there on May. Uh, by all means, he'll have me to preach on the Wednesday night before the first day of May. I got there and went into the auditorium. We're standing in there, and, and I told the uh, man driving the car, I said, God's going to give me enough money to buy me a motorhome tomorrow morning. And the man looked at me sort of strange and said, I don't believe that. I said, well, when you believe it or don't believe it, I'm getting it. John Osteen came in there and said, Hey, Hubert! He greeted me. And about that time, my brother, uh, he, he said to me, Now, I wish there was some other time, but Hubert, I can't allow you to preach tonight because I'm going to tell them about the march in Washington, D.C. My, my driver of the cars looked at me and said, I told you. I said, Don't worry about it. I'll get the motor home tomorrow. And I told, John, John asked me where I was headed. I said, I'm headed to buy me a motorhome. Mark, you and I didn't have enough money to buy a tar. <laughs> tar on the motorhome. Hallelujah! Woo! Well, I, I, John, John said to me, can you preach 
give a testimony for 10 minutes? <laughs> I said, yes. I got on the platform and started testifying and the Spirit of God came on me and John hollered from the, pla- from the floor, Hubert, preach! Forget about everything! Preach! I did. <laughs> when I got to preaching there, I thought they brought every drug addict in the city of, uh, city of, uh, city of Houston in that church. Every time I walked down there and I said, what do you want? I want to be cured of drugs. I said, Jesus does it. Down he went. I wa- a woman walked in, was in that line, and she walked up to me and said, I've had a back injury, been an automobile wreck. I said, your problem is not being an automobile wreck. You've been following this seance. You have been following the demonic powers of hell. Come out of you foul and clean spirit in the name of Jesus. Say, how'd you know that? Spirit of the Lord showed it to me. She fell under the power of the Lord. I went on down the line, and there was a crippled woman pushed up there in the wheelchair, and I said, I'm not going to pray for you. Just get out of that wheelchair and walk across this platform. She did. So mighty did God move that John Osteen said that he'd been across the country with Catherine Kuhlman and other, other people that prayed for the sick, but he'd never seen as many miracles to wrought as wrought in this service. And he said, Holy Hubert's going up the country to buy him a motorhome. Let's buy it. And they give me $15,000 to buy the motorhome. And the driver of that car was just turning somersets. <laughs> he said, he said it, he said it, he said it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Want to get you to get it clear to your heart and mind. You obey God, God will take care of you. You leave everything in God's hands. Blessed be his name forever. Hallelujah. You're going to have to be a holy man trusting God with everything if you want to win the loss to God. Trust God with your business. You won't worry about it. Trust God with your friends and you'll not get angry and mad and peeved at them. Trust God with your, your life and he'll take care of it every step of the way. You don't have to worry about a thing. You think I worry? Couldn't I know? I don't worry about anything because I'm trusting God with it. <laughs> Glory! Yes. The reason you worry about money is because you... Some say, we know worry about money. I hadn't got it. Neither has God got you too. God had you totally in his hands and under his control, you wouldn't worry. Uh-oh. I have lived 61 years on earth, and I've never worried about anything. I've never been depressed one moment. I leave that for the devil and the devil's crowd. Come on. I enjoy life, and I'm enjoying it now at 75 years old. Hallelujah! I've got victory and peace and joy in my life, and I expect to have that every day of the week. The same love that was manifested in the death of a Savior on the cross, that same love now controls my life in the throne. I'm going to close with this final statement. Our trouble is in the religious world is this. They've got their eyes on Calvary, all right, to find forgiveness. 
but they never got their eyes on Jesus Christ in the throne room to find perfect power and victory. Come on, did you hear me? I'm publishing a book called In the Throne Room with Jesus. The church needs to not, not go back to the cross. They need to go to the throne room. From the throne room, he empties all the treasures of heaven at your disposal. You need to go to the throne room and lay everything you've got at his feet and tell the king to take over and you won't wear it anymore. You know, I'm going to keep them up. Bless the Lord. <laughs> you want real joy and real contentment? You can find it in a resurrected Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. I don't know how to close this service, Hardy. I preached already once today about 12 o'clock noon. Happy. I'm happy tonight. Because I'll serve him. He's got all of me from the top of my head, every freckle on my face, every teeth in my mouth, and every toenail on my toes. The Lord's got Hubert. That's the reason Hubert don't have to worry and don't get fretted and aggravated and fly out the handle and get fly the handle off and get, get heated upset by a world and depressed by the conditions of life and all the ill temper doesn't exist in his life. He lives a life with peace and joy and victory. <laughs> you like this? I like this kind of way of living. Come on. Tom, come take me, set me down here. I want to, I want to set down right down here if it's possible. I want to set right down here. And every person that comes wants to be Want something for God? I want to pray for you. Yeah. Amen. Glory. If you want something from God, you come on. Let's sing, brother. Hallelujah. You want something of God? Come on. Hallelujah. Eat out of my